was excited about this message yesterday and because I had, I was watching a video that just, I, I had that thing on loop. I was researching it. I was trying to get all the story from this video, and it was so moving. And, and I was like, I told my son, I said, we're going to play this video because this is the crux of my message today, and this is why I'm going to speak on this subject. And then he's like, Mom, we stream on, on Facebook and on YouTube and, you know, the rights and all that kind of stuff. And I was so mad because I was like, all right, Lord, that was my whole message. But I'm going to try to convey to you through a picture. You thought I was going to say through acting, but I'm not. The video that I saw, and I encourage you afterwards that you, oh, by the way, if you've got your phone, go ahead and pull it out. I want you to get on our Facebook. I want you to like. I want you to share this. Make sure it gets out because some people might forget that it's Sunday and that it's church time, but you're going to remind them and put it out there. Once you do, put it away because I want you to listen to me. Anyways, (laughs) so I saw this video of, of this young man, and his name is David Brown. And I watched David run, and what's so, what was, I mean, the, the guy is just so amazing. He has won a world championship for running the 100 meter in under 11 seconds. It takes me longer to get up from the couch than it does for this man to run 100 meters. And he has gotten multiple Uh, world championships. But the thing about David Brown that was so intriguing to me is that David is totally blind. And he was raised by a mama that told him, honey, you can do whatever you want to do with your life. And he said, I want to run. So they got him hooked with a coach. And his coach was trying different things to help him to run. And the coach would stand at the end at the goal and he would clap his hands or he would shout instructions to try and get David to come towards him. And he said it just never worked. It was, he was just kind of everywhere. And he said, then we tried a guideline that he would hold with his left hand and he would try and run, you know, down, down the track and that didn't work. But everything changed the moment when he met Jerome Avery. Now, Jerome gets him set at the starting line. He will make sure that his hands are where they need to be and, and gets, make sure his feet are locked in to where they need to be. And as you can see in this picture, it might be a little difficult, but you can see that they're tethered together by their fingers. And they run step by step in sync perfectly together. And David has said that they practice so much together that he is able to tune out the cheers, the shout, the noise of a whole entire stadium to hear one voice, Jerome's. And at the last second as they're running, and you got, listen, when you leave here, you got to just watch the video to see how fast they are. 
And at the last second, Jerome will make a sound that will tell David you're at the finish, you're, you're close to the finish line, and to lean forward so that you can win this race. And I want to talk to you this morning about running your race. Amen. Amen. Now, when I was thinking about hearing Jerome's voice, I was thinking about when I was a young teenager. I could pick my mother's clearing her throat out of the whole entire church, and it was a big church. And as a teenager, if I heard, <clears throat> that meant turn around, look at me, because I'm going to give you the face to tell you behave. If my mother, heaven forbid, had to clear her throat twice, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And I could pick that out. And I want us to get to a place today, like David, like I was as a teenager, that we can pick out the voice of our God, that we are running our race in such a sink that it doesn't matter if I can see my next step. It doesn't matter if everything is going on around about me. It doesn't matter if somebody wants to call me disabled, if somebody wants to tell me this is something that you just can't do. I just want to just get out there and run my race with my God. And the reason that this video was just, I mean, it was just so captivating to me is that after you watch him run, after you see the incredible things that these two men can do together, you cannot make an excuse for why you can't do something. Now, I'm going to confess to you because it is church, I'll confess. So I had just been talking to a friend of mine that, you know, I just want to get, you know, I want to get walking, you know, exercise, I want to get healthy, you know, I got to get this body at this age, it's got to get moving. But one day, I, it was hot out, you know. My knee was bothering me. And there was a show on TV that I really wanted to watch. So I was sitting in my bed, and I was just like, all right, you know, here's, here's, my, here's my day. Just, talk, just talking. I should get moving. And I looked out the window, and there was my 97-year-old neighbor and her 70-year-old son taking their daily walk. I literally, folks, I saw them, and I know she can see into the window where, where I was sitting, and I literally did one of these things. <laughs> and watched to make sure till she passed. And as I'm lying now hiding from a 97-year-old walker, now I'm feeling condemned, I'm feeling miserable, and I'm feeling like I just talked about this, and why am I not out there doing it? Why? And now, as I'm lying in bed, notice I didn't get up, as I'm lying in bed, feeling all this condemnation and comparing my life to a 97-year-old, I even tried to justify, I bet she's got better knees, you know, my knee, she probably, you know, my knee really bothered me today. And can I... 
since I'm confessing to you. It's not the first time I hid from her either. I mean, she walks daily. I mean, come on. And, oh, I'm so embarrassed now. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, I'm going to take a picture next time she goes by and I'm going to show you, I'm going to, I'm going to walk with her. But I want to talk about that running your race. And in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And I want to narrow in on the biggest thing that can keep you from running your race, and that is comparison. Have you ever been having just a good day? I mean, you're like, you know, I woke up, it's a good day, I'm just, you know, I'm, you know, everything looks wonderful, and I'm pretty happy, until you see somebody with something that you want, and instantly you are upset, and you are miserable, and your day just stinks. You know, it's that like, you see, you know, you're like, hey, it's a good day. And then you get, you know, you pick up your phone and, you know, that friend sends you the picture of their feet, you know, by the pool, you know, or by the ocean, which that's the nastiest thing. Feet, why do people do that? I just show your knees. Do knees, not feet. Feet are just, you might think they're cute. They're not cute, okay? But anyways, it will still make you jealous, you will look at their nasty toes and still go, I'm just, what? as you're sitting there looking and you're opening up another bill. You know, you see, you see that woman who is feeding her children organic food she just made from scratch while you're sitting at the drive-through lane at McDonald's. Yeah, I won't leave men out, men, you know, all of a sudden, there's your neighbor with his new propane grill firing up the steaks. And you're still trying to fan those coals to light it up so you can eat your hot dog. And the hot dog before sounded great. You wanted to cook your hot dog till you saw somebody else. And all of a sudden, you know, they got this thing going and you smell their steaks cooking. And we have this thing about us where we can get so frustrated and we can get so angry and we get to that place where we're comparing our lives and now everything that was good is now bad. And the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. And can I tell you this, and I want you to remember this, where comparison begins, contentment ends. And we're wondering why we're so frustrated all the time. We're, you know, comparing makes you feel either superior or inferior, and neither one honors God. So, I got to read you out of John uh, chapter 20. And I'm going to read out the Passion Translation. Now, the author of the book of John is John. But I never noticed this before, but John loves to refer to himself in the third person, and John loves to talk about himself. And in verse, um, verse 1, it says, 
Very early Sunday morning before sunrise, Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb. And when she arrived, she discovered that the stone that sealed the entrance to the tomb was moved away. So she went running as fast as she could to go tell Peter and the other disciple. He's talking about himself. Watch this. See this. It's going to be fun. So, so John's saying uh, she went to go tell Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. He wants you to know the other disciples, the one Jesus loves. That's me. She told them they've taken the Lord's body from the tomb and we don't know where he is. Then Peter and the other disciple, me, jumped up and ran to the tomb to go see for themselves. They started out together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He didn't enter the tomb, but peeked in and saw only the linen clothes lying there. Then Peter came behind him. He wants you to remember, Peter was behind me because I got there first. I outran him. Peter came behind him and went right into the tomb. He took notice uh, the linen clothing lying there, but the burial cloth had been, uh, b- that had been on Jesus' head had been rolled up and placed separate from the other cloths. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, went in, and after one look, he believed. A little bit of comparison going on between these two. Now, it goes on to the next chapter, and this is where I want to get to. It goes on to the next chapter. Jesus now, he has been crucified. He had been put in the tomb. He had come out of the tomb, and he has been resurrected. And before he ascends to heaven, he is meeting up with his disciples. And John 21, 20, it says, Then Peter turned and saw that the disciple, now John is still writing. Then Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, again, going to remind everybody, was following them. Note here, Peter turns away from God. Here's, here's, Jesus had just had the conversation with Peter. They're all sitting there, and, P, and, and, and Jesus tells Peter, or asks Peter the question, do you love me? And he asked Peter that three times, and, and Peter was saying, yes, I do, and, and Jesus was saying, love my sheep, take care of my sheep. I'm giving you an assignment. Here's the race that you are going to run. And he even tells Peter, He gives them a little bit of prophetic insight that it's going to be kind of a rough road and it's going to end in death, but that's your race that that I have set before you. Now, he is talking to Jesus. He just saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. Jesus is now giving him this beautiful assignment for his life. You are going to do amazing things, Peter. And Peter turns around. He looks, uh, and, 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 and he looks back at John. And John says, you know, there I am, the one Jesus loves. And this was the disciple who sat close to Jesus. He wants to, John wants you to know I sit close to Jesus. At the last supper and asked him, Lord, who is the one who, that will betray you? So when Peter saw him, he asked Jesus, what's going to happen to him? And isn't that just like a lot of us? That the Lord is saying, I need you to do this for me. And I want you to take care of this. And this is the race I want you to run. And all of a sudden we're like, okay, this sounds, okay, some of it sounds good. Wait a second, death? I, 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 I'm going to die at the end because of my faith? Wait a second. Um, okay, this is, the, what about his race? What, what's he going to do? What's going to happen to him? Uh, what's, what's the other kind of race? Can I choose a different race? 
And Jesus says in verse 22, Jesus replied, if I decide to let him live until I return, what concern is that of yours? You must still keep on following me. See, you can't faithfully follow Jesus if you're always comparing yourself to someone else. If you're always trying to see what somebody else is going to be doing over there. What is their assignment over there? While their sounds pretty good, you're talking minds in depth. Can I have John's? Because you're saying John might make it to the very end. And you're always wondering about other people's lives. And why do we get on social media? Why do we get on, you know, thumb through magazines? Why do we go to those car shows or those boat shows? When you know, if you are not prepared for it, don't do it. If you can't go to celebrate somebody else and you got a handle on your thought life, why are we doing it? Because we can instantly get in that place. We get in that battle that we want bigger, we want better, we want greater, we want prettier, we want stronger. And as soon as somebody else, as soon as you get it and somebody else gets an er, means theirs is betterer and greater and faster than yours. Instantly now, we're in that place of comparison and now what we thought was better is not. And now we're in the fight to get better than that. We had somebody one time, we were talking about a car that we had, and they literally looked us in the face and goes, well, I have this, it's a step up. Yeah. So that's, that became a running joke in our family now that, you know, whenever we felt, you know, whenever we felt something was better than the other person, we'd be like, I got the step up, you know. <laughs> My fruit didn't have a bruise on it. I got the step up fruit, you know. Uh, but we get caught in the search for things external to make us feel good or make us feel superior, make us feel like we've accomplished something in life, make us feel like we're wanted or needed to make us feel successful. And we look to things or to people as our finish line goal. And we look to the external to validate and satisfy an internal longing. But there's nothing that can satisfy that internal longing but Jesus. There's not enough money. There is not enough power. There's not enough success. There's not enough beauty. There's not enough applause or cheers. There's not enough of being on the in crowd that is going to bring you that joy and that peace. There's not enough right clothes. There's not enough toys. There's not enough uh, of the right house. It's going to fill the longing that only Jesus can fill. So let me ask you the question, who or what are you getting your worth from? Who or what are you allowing to place the value on your life? Is it that house? Well, now we have arrived. We got this house. So therefore, I'm now accomplished. And therefore, you know, I'm, I, I can feel a little bit more superior than other people. And I can, you know, I, I, I can accomplish this over here. And I feel like I've got that over there. Are you allowing a parent to tell you your value or your worth? Because sometimes we come up. You know, we, we've been raised by parents that maybe didn't know how to tell you your value or your worth. So now because they didn't, now you don't know. You don't seek your heavenly father to tell you your value or your worth. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's that guy, that girl. You're looking for them to validate you and for them to tell you you are worth this. And it is fleeting. 
and it does not last. Maybe the they's will tell you your worth. Well, they think I'm wonderful, and they think I'm pretty, and they think I'm smart. The problem with the they's is they change their mind all the time. What they thought was good today, they will say is bad tomorrow. So my worth and my value, if I try to compare my life with that, I'm going to be frustrated all the days of my life. You can't run your race when you're busy looking around at everyone else. I'm going to read Hebrews 12, 1 again, but I'm going to also include verse 2, and I want to read out the Passion Translation. And it says, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has, the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm, and we focus our attention and expectation on Jesus who birthed faith within us, and who leads us forward, never back. God is the God that always leads you forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Focus your attention. Uh, other translation says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Helen Keller made the statement, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. And when you are so busy looking at everything else and you're so busy looking at this thing over here and if I can just do this and maybe I can get this thing over here, with everything that you're looking at, if it's not, if it's not Jesus for you, you will lose sight of the vision that God has designed for you. Being focused on what people think about you is the fastest way to forget about what God thinks about you. And God thinks you're amazing. Listen, you would not be here on this planet at this exact moment if God did not need you to be here. I don't care if somebody has told you you are a mistake or you are an accident. There is no mistakes and no accidents with God. You are here at this moment, I think, oh, God, there's so many times when I watch, like, those old prairie movies or, you know, cowboys and that kind of stuff. I literally, I don't think that there's a time that I don't just go, Lord, I thank you that you thought of me to be born now. I like technology. I like my toilet inside the house. <laughs> But you were born at this exact moment on purpose. And he created you with that special purpose. He wants to see you run your race faithfully so that he can, uh, so that uh, the, the race that he's called you to do and you to be, he's called you to be faithful. Matthew 25, 21 says, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He never said in that, voice, in that verse that when you stand before God, he's going to go, well done, thy good and rich servant. Thy good and successful 
servant, that good social media influencer that you are, that, you know, well done, that good and CEO servant that you are. And all those things are fine if that's what God has called you to be in the race of your life. That's all good. But if it's not, then it means nothing unless we're faithful to what God has called us to do and to be. And it's about getting up every single day and saying, in this moment, God, I want to be faithful to you. And I want you to do what you would have me do today. And don't, don't, don't get up in the morning and say, well, I, I just don't know what God wants me to do today. I'm waiting for that neon sign to blow up to just say, do this amazing thing here. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to honor him. He wants you to love your spouse and love your children and love your grandchildren. He wants you to be part of building the kingdom of God in these latter days. He wants you to love people and encourage others to continue in their race. He wants you to walk in integrity today. He wants you to be the voice of Jesus in your sphere of influence. That's what he wants you to do today. That is part of our race that we have to run. It's so simple that we miss it. And we try and complicate life and put undue pressure on ourselves and we try and overthink it. Uh, and all my overthinkers said amen. Mm -hmm. You know, there is, there is a real um, uh, a psychological thing that people go through and I, I, this was so intriguing to me. Because I have felt this myself, and it's called the imposter syndrome. And let me give you the definition of, the, of what psychologists say that the imposter syndrome is. It's the inability to internalize our strengths and our accomplishments. It's a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. People deep down feel like they're a fraud and feel like they have so much less to offer than what people expect from them. And they feel if people ever found out who they really were, how dumb they really feel or inadequate that they feel or inexperienced that they feel, how nervous they feel, then they would be exposed. It's the fear of being found out to be less than they thought you were. And it's because we get in this place of comparison. And it's because we're looking at others and now all of a sudden we're like, I, I, I can't do what they do. And I can't, you know, I don't have the gifts and talents like them. And therefore when I try and do this, I'm really not as good as probably what they think I am. And, and, I, I, and we get in this mess. That's why whenever we go you know, as, as most churches do, we need volunteers for this and we want people to join our dream team. The problem is people don't join because they feel in themselves, I have no gifts and I have no talents. And if, if ever I was like, you know, asked to do something, they're going to find out I really can't do something. And actually you do have gifts and you do have talents. The problem is, is you will not acknowledge the God-given gifts and talents that are on the inside of you. If I asked you today, and I'm guilty of this, if I asked you today, name 10 things that are wrong, that's wrong about you, we can go, I can give you 20. But if I was to say, now list 10 things that's good about you, 10 things that are amazing about you, we would probably struggle to get past number one. 
And that's that imposter syndrome. It's that place of just, uh, listen, one time I had, oh, I remember this in ministry. And please, I'm just going to tell you now, don't ever come and ask me where a scripture verse is found in the Bible. Just don't. The first time somebody did that, I literally, I started sweating. And I started, like, my mouth dried. And they're like, and my first, my first thought was actually, is that even in the Bible? I don't remember reading that. <laughs> and now that I don't know where that scripture is found, they're going to know that I'm really not a very good pastor and that I, you know, I don't remember where scripture verses are found. And sometimes in Leviticus, I don't, I don't read Leviticus a lot of times because, you know, when it's just talking about lineage, I just, I go, okay, check. I, they're going to find out I'm this horrible pa- Now, if you try and come and ask me where it's found, I'm going to say, get on your computer, just Google it, you know. I would love to have it memorized, and if you got it memorized, I will cheer you on. But I'm just going to let you know ahead of time so, you don't, so we just get that out of the way and you don't think bad about me and I won't think bad about me. But we get in that place of that imposter syndrome where we don't, we, we, we are race. The enemy uses this so that we don't run our race because we are too afraid to get out there because what if I make a mistake? And what if I mess up on this? And what if they all of a sudden look at me and go, wow, I thought you were better at that. Just say, well, you know what? Hang around. I probably will get better at this, but thank you for your criticism. God bless you. And you go on and do what God has called you to do. We put this undue pressure on ourselves. I was just talking, we were talking with um, Anna and my, my daughter Olivia, and my granddaughter is going to be turning one soon. And we, we got on Pinterest and, you know, you get on social media and they're doing these birthday parties for one-year-olds that I'm like, that's a second mortgage on a house for a child that will never, listen, your child, let me, can I just say this? Your, your 16-year-old or your 25-year-old is never going to come back to you and go, so mom, my one-year-old birthday party was at McDonald's. That's why my life is screwed up. I'm going to blame you now. It's not going to happen. But we put all this undue pressure on ourselves. Women will put an undue pressure because we go, well, I don't want people to know that I'm really insecure about my looks. So we put out money that we can't afford to try and do things so that we can look a certain way to create an image. And all we're doing is we are frustrating ourselves. And teens, they get into that place of comparison because they want to be on an in crowd because they're so afraid that what if, Somebody finds out that I might, you know, I'm a Christian and I don't want to do that over there. But then there's going to be persecutions. And, and, if, and, and then if, I, if they know that I'm a Christian, what if they ask me about the Bible and I'm not very versed at the Bible and now I'm a failure. Now they're going to look at me and say, well, you're not really a Christian. This is what the imposter syndrome to do is because it lies that root in that place of comparison. Can you get to a place where you can be free of comparison? Yes. Is it easy? No. Not always. But it's called renewing your mind. Guys, if you did not watch our podcast this past Thursday with Pastor and I, you got to get back on there because we're talking about the mind and we're going to talk about the mind this Thursday. And we're going to talk, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this imposter syndrome. But if you got to renew your mind. 
You'll never fully run your race if you're always focused on what everybody else is doing and thinking that's what's good and that's what's special and that's what I need to be doing. It's like our singers that are up here. They're amazing singers. And you'd be bad, you know, you're like, man, if only I could sing. That means that, that, that would be a race that I would love to, you know, God, if, if you could just put me on there. And God, I just want to, if I could just sing and lead people in that place. But maybe your race is maybe you're just going to sing to your children and teach them how to worship and how to praise their God. And maybe it's just a one-on-one -on -one with a child that you're going to say, you know what, honey, let's just lift our hands and worship God. And you can sing as often as you want, and that's okay, but you're going to teach and train them. Let me just tell you something. Can I go on a rant for a second? Good, because I'm going to anyways. Got a picture that was sent to me the other day from friends of ours in Chicago, and it was from their newspaper. And the headline on there says, new program is going to put free condoms into, uh, into all the schools. But here's what. All the schools, including elementary. Yeah. We can't sit back concerned well God what's my race and I want my race to you know I want to I, I want to be successful and man if I could just get up there and do that and if I could just do this incredible thing over here and you know Pastor Ram just said go sing to a little child and you know and if you're not grasping what that truly means if you don't understand what is happening to our children in this day and age if you don't understand that part of your race is that if there is a child that is anywhere in your vicinity anywhere in your sphere of influence you better be praying for them. You better be teaching them God. You better be teaching them how to worship their God. You better teach them who they are in Jesus. Because if you don't do it, the schools are going to tell that little fourth grade, here's a free condom, hon. You go and do your thing. Your race, my race, has got to include the children of this nation. It has to be part of our prayer. It has to be part of our mission. Well, Pastor Robin, I don't know what to do. You know what? You like to, you, you like to read. Maybe you homeschooled your children when they were little or something like that. Maybe you just set up a little tutoring group in your neighborhood for those kids because they don't, we don't want them to get lost in the system. But you can say, hey, after school, or this, we'll do a fun little summer program. I will come and I will feed you snacks, and we're going to read together, and we're going to learn some things. Men, maybe you need to see, hey, you know, my kid plays baseball. Maybe I need to step up and help coach that. Maybe I need to come and be there as a man of God in front of these young boys and begin to tell them as they're swinging away and as they're throwing that ball, hey, you are an awesome man of God. I tell you what, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and begin to impart in them. We can't leave it up to the world. We can't leave it up to the enemy. And we just sit back going, man, if I could just be more successful, if I could just be prettier. When I started out in ministry, every minister, pastor's wife that I knew was blonde. I went blonde a little bit. I put some blonde, I put some red. I was trying everything. Because I thought, if I looked a certain way, then that means I'm successful. That means I'll be listened to. If I could just squeeze into that size four, 
It's never going to happen. I would love it. The enemy has told me that size four is the anointed number for God. And anything other than that, and you're just, no one's going to listen to you. But I'm thankful you're all here today and that you're ready to say, you know what? She's hot flashing and she's sweating, but I'm still going to listen to the anointing out of the Holy Spirit that she has. And that's why I'm going to just plug this right now. Our children's ministry is opening next, next week. Now, listen, if you, just, if you just applauded because you're tired of the child sitting next to you, our cafe is going to be opening too, so go work there. But <laughs> soon, soon, soon. Go be a greeter. Go be, go be an usher. But we are looking for people to help. And maybe you're saying, well, Pastor Roman, I don't know if I could you know, be with all the kids and all that kind of stuff. Well, we need administrators back there that know how to do some paperwork, know how to check children in. Maybe you could be a greeter back there. Maybe you could be one that takes new parents to help them show them where the classes are. Because I want to stand before God and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You helped. You helped make a difference for children. You held a baby, and as you held that baby, you prayed destiny and purpose and fulfillment over that child. Amen? When you get your leading and your direction from the Holy Spirit, from the kingdom culture, then you won't be swayed by the world's culture. You'll be able to be your best because you are in sync with the best. Like David and Jerome, you know how to run your race because you are not concerned. You can't see. Close your eyes off to every distraction that's around you and say, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to be in sync step by step, arm in arm. I want to be able to hear your voice out of everything else that the world is trying to shout and declare over my life. And I want to be in sync with you to run this race. Yeah, you're going to have bad days. And you're going to have days when you trip up. And you're going to have days when you are so tempted to compare your situation with somebody else's situation. But if you just get back on track, listen to the voice of God, recognize the lies of the enemy, capture destructive thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, I'm going to be closing here in a moment. Verse 3, uh, the Passion Translation through 5. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Guys, stop working and trying to manipulate God and trying to manipulate your situation and trying to manipulate the people around you. God is saying, don't do that. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, I love this, we capture like a prisoner of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. 
In Proverbs, it says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts are going to take you somewhere. Let it be on the race that God has set before you. This last picture, it was an amazing video, but I'm just going to show you the picture of it. This man is Derek Redman. And Derek had trained for so long to race in the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. And he was favored to win. And he got on the track and he began to run his race. But just shortly into the race, he got a terrible cramp in his leg that dropped him to the floor, to the ground. See, you might be running a race right now. And you're like, Pastor Roman, it's going good. I'm running my race. And then all of a sudden, you lose your job. All of a sudden, that bad health report comes. Maybe all of a sudden, out of the blue, that spouse leaves you. Your kids get into the wrong crowd. That addiction that you had overcome is beginning to be overwhelming again. Maybe you think your opportunity has long passed you. You're too old. You're too young. You'll always be alone. Or maybe you think God's forgotten about you. But the Word of God talks about there's those cloud of witnesses. Those are the people that have gone on before you. That in heaven they look down and they cheer you on. And they're like, if you just keep going, if you'll just get back up. It's so worth it. But Pastor Raman, you don't know. My heart's broken. They betrayed me. God knows. Well, you don't know. I've dealt with the sickness for so long. I don't know what else to do. God knows what to do. And you have a choice in those moments when it drops you to your knees and you see everybody else pass you by. You see your opportunity of a lifetime go. And it's not that even I'm not going to get gold in this race or I'm not going to get silver or I'm not going to get bronze. You, at that moment, you're like, I don't even see that I'll ever even finish this race. But if you get back up, But if I get back up, it doesn't look pretty, Pastor. I'm, in, I'm limping. It's okay. When you watch this video of Derek Redman, Derek makes a choice as he's down on the ground. And as he has watched everything he's worked for pass him by, Derek makes the choice. He's going to get back up. And he's going to finish this race. And he gets back up and he begins to limp and he is in so much pain and the agony of everything that just happened to him on his face. But here's, what's hap here's what happened. His dad was in the stands and his dad had been cheering him on. And his dad saw when, he, when that first pain came and dad saw when it dropped him to his knees and his dad saw him get back up. 
And his dad came running from the stands. And he ran onto that track. And he put his arms around his son. And he was going to make sure my son is going to finish this race. Everybody else had finished and everybody else had gone on to, you know, to go back to their people and to, you know, get their accolades and all this stuff. But his father said, I'm going to get you to this finish line. And I'm here to tell you guys today that your heavenly father is ready to get you to your finish line. He's ready to get you to complete the race that he has set before you. doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you messed up on. It doesn't matter if what you thought was stability and what you thought was success and what you thought was going to be your life and all of a sudden in a moment's time it changed. And you're like obviously my race has stopped but if you'll get back up, if you'll continue if you'll just call out to your Heavenly Father and say, Lord, I don't know how to do this thing. I don't know if I can complete it. God, I don't even understand. Now that I feel like my race was just messed up and what's going to go, what, what's going to happen to my life? If you'll just trust your Heavenly Father, He's going to say, listen, you still have a race to run. And I'm going to get you to that finish line.